Hello and welcome to the Global AI Podcast. We are coming to you from the second Global AI Summit emanating from Riyadh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And today we have a very special guest with us who is the author of The Economic Singularity, Mr. Colin Chase. Thank you for being with us. Hi, here's Sam. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. And uh, Colin, um, first of all, you know, being an author and a specialist in artificial intelligence, should we be alarmed that artificial intelligence is taken over into what is perceived as human territory in terms of uh, performing uh, tasks, especially when it comes to industrial production? I don't think we should be alarmed. I think we should be excited. What we're getting is a powerful new tool, both in our private lives and in our professional lives. And this tool is not replacing humans. Uh, it's, it's enabling humans. What may happen in the long term is a different issue, but for, for a good few decades yet, it's an enabling tool. Okay. And, uh, you know, from, from your experience, can you give us like an example of, of how artificial intelligence and uh, humans are in harmony and performing certain tasks or services, you know, for the greater public? Well, uh, I think probably the, the most powerful example of that in, in, in all of our lives, we all experience experiences, is, is uh, search engines and, say, Wikipedia or whatever reference material you use. I think it's nothing short of a miracle that I can pick up this little device and ask a question you know, who was who was the fifth Beatle, for instance? Okay. You know, there was a there was a somebody who played in the Beatles before they became the Beatles. I can't remember his name. Tap it in there. I got the answer in seconds. When I was young and before the web existed and Wikipedia didn't exist, I'd have to go to a library, find an encyclopedia, and look it up. Or more likely, what I would do is argue about it with my friends, good-naturedly, but and we probably wouldn't get the answer. Yeah. Now we have something that's close to omniscience. And that's thanks to AI. Okay. And uh, technological singularity is one of the major possible challenges we, fa we may face in the future. What do you think will prevent AI from creating a dysotopian sci-fi future where, which would render humans helpless? So the technological singularity is the name given to the time when we create an AI which has all the cognitive abilities mm -hmm. of an adult human. And because computers can be improved by increasing their capacity, improving their algorithms uh, in ways that the human brain cannot, we're stuck with the three and a half pounds of glute that we've got. Uh, once we get an AGI, it will become a super intelligence, maybe faster, maybe slower. Personally, I think quite fast. And it will, it will be much, much smarter than us quite soon. Now, this isn't going to happen for quite a long time. We don't know. We don't know for sure whether it will ever happen, but okay. it's hard to see why it won't at some point. There's a lot of debate about when it will happen. Some people think it could happen 10 years from now. Personally, I think that's very over-optimistic. I think by the end of this century, probably. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Between that period, who knows? Now, when we get superintelligence, we humans will be, by definition, the second smartest species on the planet. Okay. That's an uncomfortable position to be in. And we need to make sure that when we get a superintelligence, it really likes humans. And it needs to understand us better than we understand ourselves, because we frankly don't know what's good for us a lot of the time, collectively. Yeah. Now, that's a big job. Nobody knows how to do it yet. We have some people working on it. 
the biggest single thing we can do, I think, is we should have more people working on that problem. It's not a, I don't think it's a near-term problem. I don't think it's something that should keep anybody awake at night now. But it is something that we should be thinking about and should be planning for and should be gradually moving resources into. Okay. And, uh, you know, in, in, in your opinion, before deploying any AI te uh, technology, what data do AI leaders need to gather to ensure they're deploying the best suitable uh, AI for the betterment of humanity? So there's a world of data mm -hmm. and anybody running an organization hoping to deploy some AI, they're going to have to collect lots of data. But the key is that the data has to be consistent. Um, it has to be mutually compatible. It has to be machine readable. It has to be comprehensible to machines. And ideally, it needs to be as free of bias as possible. Okay. Now, this is a, a, a wish for the perfect because all the data we have has traces of human bias. It's humans who are the source of data. It, it, uh, sorry, the source of bias. It's a mistake to think that machines are biased. Machines are completely unbiased, but the data they use is, um, is weighed down with human bias. And it's really a question of being smart and being experienced and knowing what the sources of bias are and looking for it. So for instance, if you are using medical data, if you're using data for a medical purpose, it's a really good idea to not rely solely on data that's about white middle-class males. Okay. As a white middle-class male, that doesn't do me any harm. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole bunch of other people who are not white yeah, middle-class males, so we need data about all of them. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, so like before, uh, you know, like what, what should AI leaders take into considerations in terms of AI ethics before implementing uh, any of their solutions to avoid, to avoid this dystopian sci-fi future uh, that, you know, would create basically a, 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 har a harmonious way of using AI and where it's in harmony with, with humans. Sure. It really depends on the time frame you're talking about. For the next, you know, for now and for the next five, ten more years, okay. it's really about avoiding bias. It's about uh, watching out for the sort potential sources of bias and trying to remove those. Uh, it's about being careful about privacy. Uh, we want also the systems that we use to be as explainable and as, as, as transparent as possible. Personally, I'm skeptical they can ever be fully transparent because I think we just can't understand what machines do. They operate in millions of dimensions at the same time and we, yeah. the human brain simply can't do that. However, to, what it, to the extent possible, um, you want systems to be as explainable as possible. There's a lot of controversy about that. So that's now. In the future, I think we increasingly need to think about what decisions we want machines to take and what decisions we want humans to take. There's a, it's, it's going to be increasingly possible for machines to make more and more decisions for us. And there will be times when we think, hang on, that's a, that's a decision which shouldn't be taken okay. by a machine. And that will increasingly become an issue. And then in the longer term, we start to need to think more urgently about this issue of what happens when we get superintelligence. But as I say, that's still fairly far distant future. Now, the privacy, bias, transparency, explainability issues that we have now, that we face now under, you know, rightly worrying a lot of people. I have a problem with that being called AI ethics. It's okay. a common term, 
But to me, ethics obviously is about morality. Yeah. And these things are about practical issues and they're about um, not making mistakes. They're more about safety than ethics. The problem with calling an area about ethics is it means that if you get it right, you're a morally good person. If you get it wrong, you're a morally bad person. That leads to heated and unhelpful conversations, I think. Okay. This is an unpopular view and I get widely attacked for mm -hmm. advancing it, but I think we shouldn't talk about AI ethics. I think we should talk about AI safety. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, with, with uh, discussion and dialogue are, are, are critical in the development of artificial intelligence. And the Global AI Summit is bringing together innovators, decision makers, uh, business entrepreneurs, uh, many people who are in the world of artificial, artificial intelligence all in one place, bringing the uh, largest gathering in the world for, for the field. Um, what are your thoughts about, you know, the Sedaya and the Kingdom's efforts to hold this kind of a event? Well, most of all, I'm, I'm just really excited um, that a country as important as Saudi has given AI the priority and the importance that it has. I think that's just great. Um, and I think that, you know, we all know that the rest of the world, sorry, not the rest of the world, the Western world has kind of put Saudi on the naughty step. Mm -hmm. And we all know why. And I think it's a shame um, because Saudi is looking to make an important contribution to the world with uh, it, its, its work in AI. And I think it should be encouraged. I think it's very exciting. Okay, and uh, so you know, since uh, since your visit here, what what have you uh, seen from from the summit and its uh, plenary sessions and attendance that you feel that uh, Saudi is taking a leadership role on? Um, I don't know enough to know where Saudi is taking a genuinely leadership role. I do understand that the language model, the the Arabic language model, that. Um, uh, that Sadia has created is is very powerful and very impressive, um, and that's you know that's an important contribution. I think the whole world is grappling with AI, trying to work out how to use it and how to develop it, and Saudi's in a position to make an important contribution because it's a big country, lots of smart young people, and lots of resources. So uh, I'm impressed by that about Saudi, and this is my first trip to Saudi, I've, I've been in my past life to every, every Gulf country except for Saudi. Okay. Uh, coming here has been a real, real eye-opener. I mean, it's, it's not the country that I have heard about all my life. You know, I, I'm aware of the changes that have been going on. I've been aware of them for some time. Coming and seeing them is very impressive. Okay. I mean, uh, we, we'd love to see you uh, in Saudi a, a lot more often as well. Um, so what key takeaway do you, do you hope to uh, take with you after the summit? I'm keen to understand more about exactly what Saudi is trying to do with regard to AI. I, I'm keen to f find out what the specific goals are for the 2030 vision in terms of AI and what milestones have been set to, you know, between now and then and how well the country's doing against those milestones. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out more about that. Okay. Uh, well, we, we hope you uh, find uh, the, an the answers to, to these questions. And uh, we'd like to thank you for taking the time for being with us here on the video podcast. Thank you, Hassan. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you. And uh, our guest today was Colm Chase, the author of The Economic Singularity. Uh, tune in to our next, next episode for the Global AI podcast, emanating from the second Global AI Summit in Riyadh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Bye. Thank you.